Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from the book of 2 Samuel about courageous confidence in the Lord and His calling. We'll look at the battle between King David and the Ammonites to see that God is faithful to His people. In the battles of this life, we need to display faithfulness toward God and our fellow Christians. Today is the day for courage. Will you demonstrate that in your walk through the strength of the Lord? In what ways can you grow in your courage? Now, here's Pastor Eric. We preach the Scripture, and the Scripture glory. We, and we, lead, we let that lead us to God and God's glory. We preach for the glory of God alone. We let the, the Bible lead us to Christ. We let the Bible show us what faith is and means. And so today, I want us to look at a story that was really written and happened hundreds of years before Jesus. It's from the Old Testament, from the book of 2 Samuel. So if you'd like to follow along, the Scripture will be on the screen, but you also can open your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 10. Now if you're using the Black Pew Bible in front of you, 2 Samuel chapter 10 is on page 261. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you today, that Black Pew Bible. We'd love for you to take that. If you're a guest today, we also have candles for you in the foyer there in the basket. If you'd like to leave a welcome card for me, there's also some cards there that you can fill out. You can drop that in the basket as you take your candle. 2 Samuel chapter 10. I'd like to preach a sermon I've titled Courageous Confidence. Courageous Confidence. And as we read the Bible, I want us to especially look at verse 12. Verse 12 says this, it's the words of a great military general, a great military commander, Joab, and he says this, be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God and may the Lord, notice that it's all caps, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, may Jehovah Yahweh, may the Lord do what seems good to him. Let's pray once more. Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see you in this scripture and eyes to see from this Old Testament story how it relates to us in the New Testament age as the Christian church. So Lord, that we would have courageous confidence, that we could be of good courage and trust that you will, as the Lord God Almighty, do what seems best. Your will be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Did you know that you were born for battle? Life is a battle. Life is a number of battles. Life is a a war. And especially if you are a Christian, life is a battle. You were born for battle. The Christian life is a spiritual war. A war against the devil. A war against a fallen world. A war against our own flesh. Yeah, you were born for battle. 
But the battles of our day just look different from the battles of David's day. Remember David? David and Goliath? Our giants just look different. David on the battlefield and Joab on the battlefield, their battles look different from our battles. Our battles may be against fear or against uh, anxiety or against addiction. Our, our battles may be against unforgiveness or pride or against you know, financial struggles. And there are all sorts of battles in this life, but the principal truths remain the same. There's so many principal truths that are constant for David and for us in the New Testament age. You know, in the Christian life, you were born, you were meant, you are a soldier. The Christian life, you are a soldier, you're not a civilian bystander. There are no Christian civilian bystanders. You're, you're a soldier in this war, in this battle. God has called you to that. And so in this day and age, courage has to replace cowardice. That's really what it is, isn't it? When we battle anxiety or we battle fear, when we kind of say, no, I'd rather focus on easy, E-A-S-Y, than O-B-E-Y, obey. I'm prone, my personality time, I'm prone to cowardice. We need to be courageous. And when you think about it, courage is for this life. I don't think we're going to need much courage in eternity, in the afterlife, in the kingdom of God. Today is the day we need courage. In eternity, it'll all be set. The victory will be won. Today's the day. Courage is for now. and It has to replace our fear and our cowardice. So I want you to see the story. Let's just look at it, read it together, whether you follow along on your app or with a pew Bible or your Bible or on the screen. This is what God's Word says. After this, the king of the Ammonites died, and Hanun, his son, reigned in his place. The Bible says in the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died. People die. When you have this royal dynasty, who comes to throne next? But the son, right? So the son's name is Hanun, and his son reigned in his place. Now remember David, David the one that killed Goliath. David is now older and he's the king. And the Bible says that David said, I'll deal loyally. I'll deal kindly with Hanun, the son of Nahash. Now Nahash's father had died and Hanun had come to power. And David says, I'm going I'm to be kind to him. I want to show him my sympathy, my compassion, my concern. So verse 3 says, or verse 2, the latter part, excuse me. So David sent by his servants to console Hanan concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the Ammonites. David does what we do. Somebody dies and David goes, this is before the age of funeral homes and flower shops, and David says, I want to go to the funeral home and pay my respects and I want to send flowers to Hanun because his dad sure was kind to me when he didn't have to be. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to you know, send the card and the gift basket. It looks like this. It looks in the form of servants. So David says to the servants, I want you to go. I want you to show loyalty and kindness to this man and, and, uh, and tell him, you know, we're sorry that your father has passed away. So the servants set out. Let's keep reading. Verse 3 says, But the princes of the Ammonites, that's the nobles, the officials, maybe the city councilmen, who knows. The princes of the Ammonites said to Hanun, their lord, 
Do you think because David has sent comforters to you that he's honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? How many of you know that sometimes we still get bad advice in this life? Sometimes it comes from friends. A lot of times it comes online or on the TV. And Hanan gets some bad advice. All the officials and guys come together and go, oh, Dave, oh, Hanan, don't think that they're here to console you and to be kind to you and give you those flowers. You know what they're really doing? They're spying on you. They're, they're scouting out the land. They don't have sincere motives. No, 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 they're up to no good. David's up to no good. And so Hanan, I guess he's the new king, you know, maybe he's, he's got a little youthfulness in him, regardless of his age. That's still true today, isn't it? A lot of grown men that still walk around acting like boys. That's sad. That's another sermon. <laughs> Sorry. This is what the Bible says. Verse 4. So Hanan took David's servants and shaved off half the beard of each, probably like vertically. In this culture, that was a huge disgrace. He disgraced these guys. They were trying to be kind, do a good work, do a good deed, go say, hey, I'm sorry. What do they get? But they get half their beards shaved off. And then the Bible says this, and they cut off their garments in the middle at their hips. One translation, up to their buttocks. Their garments were cut off. This is like, he shamed them. He took them and said, no, we don't believe you. We're going to disgrace you and humiliate you and shame you and we're going to take your beards away and we're going to cut your clothes up until it's a disgraceful thing for you to walk around in your shorts, you know? Verse 5, he says, uh, verse 4, they sent him away. They go back. But it was told to David, verse 5, when it was told to David, he sent to meet them. He goes out to them. David is now being kind and gracious to his servants and he says, for the men were greatly ashamed. Wouldn't you be? And the king said, remain at Jericho, this other city, Stay here until your beards have grown and then return. David was concerned about them. He wanted them to have respect and honor. And so he says, just stay right here and then when there's time, you can come back. Here's some of the principles we see. You know what? Number one, not everyone will accept your kindness or return your kindness. You learned that in life, haven't you? That's a hard lesson to learn. You think if you're kind and generous and thoughtful to people that if you put your hand out, they'll put their hand out. I've put my hand out in this church before and had people not put their hand out. That's sad. But it teaches us not everyone will accept or return your kindness or your courtesy. You may be kind and courteous and guess what? They may say, no, don't accept it. We see this principle that not everyone will receive good advice. There's a lot of bad advice in this world. Hanan sadly receives some bad advice. He follows bad advice. So even teenagers, there's this lesson, college students, there's this lesson here about listening to and following advice. Wait a minute, is this good? Is this right? You know, we hear a lot. We got a lot of voices in our day and age now more than ever. They come from all over the place. And we have to say, hey, wait, what, you know, is this smart? Is this good? What, whose advice do I trust? Whose advice do I follow? And Hanan says, oh, I'm going to follow their advice. I'm going to shave off half the beards. I want to show you half a beard. Here we go. Ready? Did you see it? Miss Hicks, you want to put that up on the screen? There it is. That's my monkey tail beard. Did you follow that on Facebook, Amandalyn's Facebook? A baseball player started the monkey tail beard. What you do is you let it grow on one side and you let it kind of loop around like that. And it looks like a lemur tail or a monkey tail growing off your face. 
So I cut that in and surprised the kids when they came home to school one Friday afternoon, and uh, boy, they hated it, which made it all the better. They didn't want to come to me like, oh, gross. And then it went on Facebook, and some of my old friends like, yeah, I like that. You should, you should leave that. One guy said, I'll pay you to preach like that. I said, I can think of a couple of ladies in our church that wouldn't like that very much. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it either because it's humiliating. It's kind of silly, isn't it? We don't walk around with monkey tail beards. I did, however, go to the Bartow County P Parks and Rec, and I, I coached third base with the monkey tail beard, and we, we won that game. I told the kids it was a monkey tail rally. Some of them said, you look like a demon. I said, oh, Lord, I, I got to shave this thing. You know, I got to get this thing gone. But uh, that was, that was kind of fun, but uh, you, nobody can look at me seriously when I'm wearing a, a monkey tail beard. These gentlemen had half of their face shaved. But the Bible says they also had their garments cut off up until their buttocks. Now, I want to show you another picture. No, just kidding. Oh, you, man, I, I expected you to get a little more of a laugh out of that. You thought, you sacrilegious person? No, we'll keep going. We keep going. Let's keep reading the story. Man, you're not paying attention this morning, are you? Or uh, you didn't believe me. You knew I wasn't going to. Here we go. Anyway, verse 6. When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, and how could they not, right? The Ammonites realized, you know what? That was stupid. <laughs> shouldn't have cut their clothes. Shouldn't have shaved their beards. Now they hate us, and David's after us. When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, the Ammonites sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob, the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Maaca with a thousand men, and the men of Tob, 12,000 men. Now I'm a pastor. I guess God called me into the ministry for this reason. I'm not good at math, but I think I can add that up. It's 33,000 plus foot soldiers. 2 Samuel 10 gives us the account, but you know they also find the account in 1 Chronicles 19. Did you know that Chronicles and Kings, they parallel each other, and also Chronicles and Samuel parallel each other? So you can read this same account from a priestly perspective in 1 Chronicles 19. It's like the Gospels, right? Why four Gospels? They all share similar things, but they share them from different perspectives and they give us different angles of Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He is the servant. He, you know, he, is, he is divine. One's for Jews, one's for Gentiles, right? But Chronicles and Samuel parallel each other. But they both, they both tell us that a lot of men were hired. Wait, we, 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 we done messed up. Hannah said, we got to start hiring some soldiers. Let's go hire from here and hire from here and hire from here. Verse 7. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab. Now David had some mighty men. He had a lot of great war heroes and generals and people that were good on the battlefield. Sometimes they were so good that, that they got into trouble and made some you know, overly aggressive decisions. But Joab was, was good here. The Bible says, when David heard of it, he sent Joab, this mighty military leader, and all the host of the mighty men. Verse 8 says, And the Ammonites came out, and they drew up in battle array at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and Rehob and the men of Tob and Maacah were by themselves in the open country. So when they come for war, some are in the front and some are in the back. Some are at the gates and some are in the open country. These 33,000 hired men and other men come against David and Joab. Now, verse 9 through 14 are the key verses. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him both in front and in the rear, he's, he's got people, soldiers, the enemies in front of him and the enemies behind him. You're in a tough spot here, right? This is what he did. Here's his plan. He chose some of the best men of Israel 
And he arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in charge of Abishai, his brother. And this was another great guy. Joab and Abishai were two great brothers, great military guys. And the Bible says, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. All right, all right, all right. All right. I'm Joab. I'm going to go here. And Abishai, you're going to go there. And these men with me and those men with you. And we, we've got the enemy here and here. And so we got to split up. Look at verse 11. And Joab said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I'll come to you. Key verse. Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to Him. The New Living Translation says this, Be courageous. Let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. May the Lord's will be done. The Old King James Version says it this way, Be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth Him good. Man, what a thought right there on the battlefield. What words... Many great men have given some great speeches on the battlefield, and Joab gives one here in that 12th verse. Verse 13 says, So Joab and the people who were with him drew near to the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the Ammonites saw that the Syrians fled, they likewise fled before Abishai and entered the city. Then Joab returned from fighting against the Ammonites, and they came to Jerusalem. The first battlefront had been won. Verses 15 through 19 give us the second battlefront and how that one was won, how victory was achieved. You can read it. But what a great story, a true story, a true account that we have here. And what I want you to see today is I want you to see three battle traits that we as the church still need to this day. I want us to take this story and I want us to look at our lives if we're born for battle, if this life is a spiritual war, what can we learn as we fight the battles of our life? And I want you to see three battle traits that we as a church need today. Here's number one. If you're taking notes, just three things. Number one, we need courage. We need courage. How many of you know that in 2021 we need courage? There are a lot of things that are filling our life with fear and anxiety and worry and stress and the, the wow, uh, that all that we have going on around we need courage in this culture. Joab, in verse 12, echoes the call that's often expressed in Scripture, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, Moses. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Many, many men of God in the Old Testament would say. Jesus would say it too. Take courage. Take courage. Be strong and courageous, Joab says. There's every reason to be afraid. You're up against a whole lot of chariots and a whole lot of men. But we need courage. And what does Joab do? But he encourages. He encourages. He, put cur he puts courage in his brother Abishai. He puts courage in the people. Let us be courageous for our people and our city of God. And God will do what seems best. Remember Matthew Henry, the great devotional writer, he said this about this passage. 
Jesus Christ's soldiers should strengthen one another's hands in their spiritual warfare. Let us not be, let nothing be wanting in us, whatever the success be. When we make conscience of doing our duty, we may with satisfaction leave the event with God, assuredly hoping for His salvation in His own way and time. We need courage. One has said it this way, in this culture we need soft hearts and hard heads. First, you have to have a soft heart where you've walked with God. And then in this culture, you need a hard head. But to have one without the other will probably get you into sin. If you just walk around with a hard head and not a soft heart, you're going to struggle with pride and, and all sorts. You know, you just you need a hard head, yes, but you have to have a soft heart. You need a soft heart, but you can't have a soft heart. Right? You need courage. One has said it this way, boldness opens the door for the miraculous. You know when we see the miraculous? Do you know when we see God move and we get to tell the stories of the faith and look what God did? It's when we get outside the, the four walls and all of a sudden we start walking with courage and with bravery. As King James says, we start to play the man. We say, yeah. When we're bold, it opens the miraculous. If they had to step back with cowardice, we wouldn't be preaching about it today in a positive way. One great thing is this, is that Joab knew the name of the Lord. What does he say in verse 12? Capital L-O-R-D. Our translators do that to let us know it is the personal name of God, Yahweh, or Jehovah. May Yahweh do what seems good to him. That's important, that Joab knew the name of the Lord, that he knew Yahweh. Do you know the name of Jesus? Many don't. Do you know the name of Jehovah God? Many don't. Do you know the name of Jesus? If you know the name of Jesus, He makes us brave. That's the only reason that we can have courageous confidence is because we know the name of Jesus. We bear the name of Jesus. We can be courage. We need it. We can show it. He'll make us brave. Why? Because Jesus is with us wherever. In whatever battle we face, whenever we face it, Jesus is with us as the New Testament people of God. I wonder today, in this day, who will play the Joab? Who's going to be the Joab? Will we be courageous? Will we have courageous fathers and courageous mothers and courageous workers and courageous Christians and courageous church members? Will we, will we walk with courage in these difficult days? Three battle traits we as the church need today, especially as we come out of a pandemic. Number one, we need courage. Number two, we need to have each other's back. The second truth is this, we need to have each other's back. We've got to have each other's back. What do they do? In verse 11, he says, we're going to divide up. If they're too strong for me, then you help me. If they're too strong for you, then I'll come and help you. So be of good courage. Let us be courageous for the people, for the cities of our God. May the Lord do what seems good to him. We, number two, we, we need to have each other's back. You can help me, and I can help you is what he's saying. That's the Christian life. That's the church. We help one another. We have each other's back, even in difficult times, even in pandemics, even in persecution like our brothers in India are facing right now. You know what they did here? And we've got to do it too. You've got to draw the line somewhere. You know what? You've got to draw the line somewhere. Joab and Abishai said, we're drawing the line right here and right here. 
You got to draw the line somewhere. You got to take a stand or you'll fall for anything in that country song, isn't it? It's true. You have to draw the line somewhere. The men here do. And the question is, do you? Do we? We've got a lot of people, teenagers, college students, young adults, adults, senior adults, that we're not drawing lines anymore. We don't know where the battle lines are. We don't know where to say, no, nah, devil, you come this far and no more. You're not going to take this. You're not going to do I'm not going to live this. Nobody's, nobody's walking with conviction and nobody's drawing boundary lines and saying, I'm not going to compromise. It's just like, well, we're on the, we don't know where the battle lines are in this battlefield. We've got people walking around and they're getting shot left and right. There is no plan. There is no saying, right here and right here. And that's where the line is. As for me and my house, you know, and if you need me, I'll come to you. And if you need me, then I'll come to you and we'll have each other's back. You see, these two brothers, Joab and Abishai, they were great military leaders and warriors, but they couldn't do it alone. They would watch out for each other. Do you have my back? Did church members have pastors back in a pandemic? I think I had your back. You had my back. I hope Bartow County pastors felt like the people had their back and he had their back. And You get what I'm saying? We need each other. Are you with me? Do you feel like your brothers and sisters in here are with you? Are you with us? You see, the Christian life is never every man for himself. It's never every man for himself. It's not, life's not meant to be lived that way. We don't go and fight our own battles. Or we don't go, oh gosh, it's scary. Isolation. Whew, the comfort of my home, my recliner. E-A-S-Y. Ah, E-A-S-Y. No, it's O-B-E-Y. And there's some risk there. And there's some need for courage. Boldness. We don't leave each other alone. We don't. And you know what? This strategy only works if we have another, one another's backs. Strategy does not work if Abishai's not willing, if Joab's not willing. It only works. Church, the church life, it only works if we really do have a... a Faith community, a community of courage, a community of sacrifice. Didn't Jesus say, say this, that we lay our life down for our friends? That that's what love is? It only works. This strategy only works if we have each other's backs. And it also only works if we show up for battle. Don't show up for battle in your boxer shorts. we got a lot of people that show up. They, they don't have the helmet of salvation. They don't have the breastplate of righteousness. They don't have the sword of the Spirit. They show up with their shorts on. Ah, the comfort of home. This is the Christian life, right? Are you kidding me? And you expect to go face the devil on Monday and then the, you're showing up for battle in your shorts. We got a lot of people, they don't know how to handle the Word of God. They don't know what the, the, the Christian warfare is all about. We got a lot of people walking around, you know, with their, you know, their, their comfy pants on and we, we got to put on the big boy armor of God. That's not in the notes. The big boy armor of God. I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm, I'm trying to make the, the humorous point. It's kind of like satire, you know, like, whoa, like the ridicule of human folly. Like, we're, we're kind of being foolish in the way we expect the Christian life to go these days. Uh, I don't know. Are we living it? It's a battle. And we have to go to war. Now, you know 2 Samuel 11. Do you know the next chapter? You learned it in, well, I don't know if you learned it in Sunday school. You learned it in youth, you probably learned it in Sunday school. You've heard it in church before. Flip the page, you know what happens in 2 Samuel 11? The sin of David and Bathsheba. 
You know when he commits adultery and has an affair? When in the next chapter, he fails to go to war. He does stay at home in his comfy shorts. And he gets a little too idle and a little too lazy. And he steps out on the rooftop and he says, who's that woman taking a bath that I see? Go get her. Right? When you don't come to war, you get into sin. You get into trouble. When you stay at home idle, bad things happen. So, look, this is what I see in the Christian life. This is no different. Even in our day and age that we live today. Well, number one, you need courage. You gotta have courage to come and to, to you gotta have number two, you gotta have each other's back, even in difficult times. You know what you need to do? You, you, you better not fail to size up the enemy. You see, Joab and Abishai sized up the enemy correctly. They said, Look, there are a lot of people here. And so I, we're gonna have a plan. We're gonna do our part. We're going to trust God to do His part. We'll get to that. But, but we're going to come up with a plan and we're going to size up the enemy and know, look, there, there's a lot against us. If we do this thing wrong, we're going to be devoured. If we do this thing wrong, Satan will devour us. He'll devour a lot of churches, devour a lot of pastors, devour a lot of families. You fail to size up the enemy. You fail to, to realize that you were born for battle and that we are in a spiritual war and bad things will happen. But if we realize, hey, wait a minute. I can have courageous confidence because I know the Lord. I know Jesus. And I'm going to be strong and courageous and we're going to, we're going to be brave and we're going to be there for one another no matter what. I'll help you. you help, you'll help me. And then number three, here's the third battle trait that we need today. We need faith. We need faith. The Christian church, we need faith. We need saving faith, but we need like daily faith. We, we need faith as the people of God. What does Joab do in verse 12? Look at the latter part. He says, be of good courage. Let us be courageous for our people, for the cities of our God. That tells me it wasn't just about them. Like, well, let's do this because we're going to get a military honor. I'm going to serve and be courageous because I might get this attention at church. Well, it's always for the good of the community, for the people, for the cities of God. But watch this. Look at the, the third trait. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. That's walking with faith. Do you know what Joab does? He knows the name of the Lord and he says, May the Lord do what seems good to him. The Lord's will be done. Do you know what Joab trusts? The sovereignty of God. That God is on the throne. That God has a plan. That the hand of providence is, is moving. And he says, Whatever happens, happens. Didn't Esther say that? She, she had courage. She said, I'll go. I'll have the people's back. And if I perish, I perish. Didn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have that when they said, we have faith and we're not going to bow down to the statue and we will be thrown into the fiery furnace and our God's able to save us, but even if He doesn't, we're not going to cave in. Daniel and Lions did. You know, I'm not going to stop. Don't matter, you know, throw me in. I'm still going to walk with faith. A faith that trusts the sovereignty of God. And what he does here is he commits the outcome to God. That's so hard to do this day. We, we can't commit the outcome to God. I'll commit it to the doctors. I'll commit it to the scientists. I'll commit it to the politicians and trust that they're going to work everything out. I'll commit it to the pastor. We just commit it to God. That takes faith. Trusting the sovereignty of God. Do you have that kind of confident trust? May the Lord do what seems good to Him. Whatever it is. That's confident trust. As they looked out to the hills, they looked to the hills with hope. We look to the hills with hope. We lift up our eyes. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. As you look out to the hills and the, the enemies and the battles in your life, do you look with hope? Can you look with the confident trust of God as saying, ah, the Lord will do what seems good to Him. I was encouraging a, another minister in Texas this week saying, 
God's sovereign. He has a plan. We don't always know what He's doing and His timing, and, but He has a plan for you. He has a plan for the church. He has a plan for the city. He has a plan. So when you don't understand, you just say, well, the Lord will do what seems good to Him if I walk trusting Him with courageous faith, courageous confidence. We learn a lesson here, don't we? A lesson from Joab is this, is that we do our part and God does His. He doesn't just sit back and go, win the battle, Lord! He, he, he does something, right? He does His part. He has a strategy and a plan, and that may change. Like, I need to go here, for I need to go... Like, He trusts that He's going to do His part, but that God's going to do His part. May the Lord's will be done. We do our part, God does His part. His part. So, wisdom and providence are like the right and left leg, right? We walk with wisdom that God's given us, but we also trust God's providence that He's in control. And we walk with wisdom and providence. That's the, that's the Christian life. God does His part. We do our part. Walk with faith. So in this story, but really all throughout the Bible and all throughout the New Testament, we see courage and confidence and how we're called to it. We see bravery and boldness in how we need it. We need the same. And guess what? We can have the same. Through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we can have the same. And I believe communal faith, a corporate faith, when a people of God come together and they have faith to, together in God and they show courage together and they have one another's backs, that communal faith goes a long way. God does some amazing things in Scripture when the people of God believe. What does faith do? Faith acts. We need, to start act, we need to start adding some action to our faith. And faith changes your life experience. Who is it that comes away and tells the great stories, whether it's in the Bible or it's the missionaries and pastors of all, the people that tell the great stories are those that stepped out with courage, courage and faith and trusted God and their life experience changed and God did amazing things. Boom, amazing. You don't get those stories if you sit at home in your shorts. Faith will change us. Change a church's story. Change your life. But it takes risk. I went back this week and listened to John Piper, a pastor that wrote a lot about not wasting your life and he wrote a lot about risk. He wrote a lot about the myth of safety. wish we could talk more about that. We have some. But when he talks about risk, and life is risk, he talks about godly risk. Risk for the glory of God. And what we see in the Bible is this. Godly risk is right. Godly risk glorifies God. I'm going to talk about stupid risk. Joab didn't go out there and like, I'm risking everything, brave heart. You know, he didn't, he, he had a plan. He didn't act stupid. There is a way to do something stupid and risky. And that's not right. But, but a godly risk, it's right. It glorifies God. It takes courage. But guess what? It's worth it in the end. Do you know what life is? It's risk. Life is risk. The afterlife is not risky. It's settled. It's done. Risk is born into, it's built into this life. Life is risk management. Safety is but a myth. <laughs> the things can change at any moment. So we have to trust God. We walk with courage. We exercise risk for the glory of God. We walk with faith. The Lord's will be done.
and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. You need courageous faith to be a Christian in 2021. Our brothers and sisters in Central America and in other countries and especially in India today need it. You need courageous faith to attend a meeting these days. You need courageous faith. The persecuted church in India needs courageous faith to attend. You need courageous faith to go to the mission field or to go on a mission trip. It takes courage to get involved in the church. It takes courage to teach a Sunday school class, to, to serve in children's ministry, to do outreach. It takes courageous faith to serve, to give when you don't know if you can, to give your money, your time, your talent. It takes courageous faith to share with a coworker, a classmate. It takes courageous faith to witness. It takes courageous faith to commit to something. So the question comes, will you trust? God is saying, will you, church, trust me? As you turn to the New Testament, you see Jesus born. You see Jesus call people to follow Him and walk with confidence in Him. You see in the book of Acts, this call to boldness. The New Testament call is a call to boldness. The disciples were called to boldness. Look at Acts chapter 4. Be bold and courageous. Be brave. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and the Lord will do what seems good to Him. And some got crucified upside down. Some got slain by the sword. But they walked with courageous, confident faith to the end and the Lord did what seems good and they got the victory. But it was a call to boldness. Why do we think that in 2021 we need less boldness? We need more boldness. As we close, you can always see Jesus. The Old Testament and the New Testament is about Jesus, about redemption, it's about the promises of God. You see, years later, David had a son. The son of David is the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah. And you want to think about the parallels of this story in Jesus? The Son of David is the Son of God, Jesus, and guess what? His kindness and His ambassadors were also rejected. Their beards weren't shaved off. Their garments weren't cut up. No, they were stoned. As I told you, they were martyred for their faith. See, just as David's ambassadors were rejected... Jesus Christ were to and still are to this day. Pray for Pastor V in India. Pray for us. Why do you think that you won't be rejected? Why do I think that I won't be said, oh, uh-uh. He's not, he doesn't have sincere motives. Why wouldn't they question my kindness and my courtesy? See, the story is the same. David's soldiers, just like Jesus' soldiers, we still need wisdom and courage. We need wisdom and courage each and every day. The parallel is the same. Just as David won the battle, Jesus will win the battle. It's victory in Jesus. Amen? There's victory in Jesus. We know He wins the battle. We know He wins the war. So may the Lord do what seems good to Him. You need to have the Son of David, the Son of God on your side in battle. You had better have the Son of God, the Son of David on your side. We need Jesus. And I preach Jesus today. We need Him. And if you know Him, He fights the battle for you. He fights the battle against your sin and your sin's punishment and death. He fights the battle for us and we can claim His victory, not our victory. Truth is, I'm not very courageous, but Jesus was for me. I'm not very faithful, but Jesus was faithful to death and into the resurrection and Jesus has my back. And if Jesus fights the battle for you, you will have the victory. As the Bible says, if God is for us, 
who can be against us? Amen? If God is for us, the Lord's on our side. Who can be against us? So in Christ, read it all in the New Testament. We have this confidence. We have this hope. In Christ, you can have courageous confidence. You want to be brave today? You want to be brave this week? Ask the Father in the name of Jesus for the Holy Spirit. He'll make you brave. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.